It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. From the Fox News Radio studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach. It's Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. Brian Kilmeade Show back in the studio after a great day, a couple of days at Liberty State Park in New Jersey. So much history there. Uh, we're going to speak to Anna Palmer of Politico Playbook. Uh, she's going to bring us inside the president's mindset as he continues to battle in four separate states. He's also going to tell us what's happening in Washington as uh, the blue wave doesn't materialize and who is actually jockeying for power. Could Nancy Pelosi's days as speaker be in jeopardy? I hope so. I think she's terrible for America. And Congressman Adam Kinzinger will be with us shortly. He is not happy with the president's remarks after on election night. We'll talk to him now. Uh, he is, uh, Adam also uh, has been in the seat since 2012 over in Illinois. He got 66% of the votes. So he's one of those rare Republican districts, uh, uh, re- uh, happy Republicans in Illinois. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's big three. Number three. I'm not here to declare that we've won, but I am here to report when the count is finished, we believe we will be the winners. Uh, That is Joe Biden. And he went on to say this. He all but declared victory and he wants to unite the entire country, be the president for all of America. Sounds a lot like President Obama. Do you believe him? Is it even possible? Number two. But it has been remarkable to see the stability, not only between the 2016 and 2020 presidential map, but also in congressional races and Senate races up and down. Not only is there no wave, it's like a it's like a pond where you (laughs) drop in a rock and there's no ripples. Stunningly, the blue wave hit a brick wall from the Senate to state houses to the House of Representatives and the president outperforming all predictions and defying almost all polls. Well, why did that happen? Why do the so-called experts get it wrong again? We'll examine. I want you to weigh in. Number one. It is still on in five battleground states. Millions of Americans have yet to have their voices heard. Really? Uh, I think it is on. The election is still up for grabs. Uh, Trump's path to election glory is uh, still slim, but he does have a path there. His legal team goes to fight. So let's talk about this. Sometime today, we'll find out about Nevada. The president has to do this. Nevada, he's got to get six. Then he's got to get Pennsylvania 20. Then he's got to get North Carolina 15. Then he's got to get Georgia 16. He's up with Georgia, and we could find that out today, 49.6 to 49.1. In North Carolina, he's up, but they don't have to report for another week. They don't have to take that week, but they have another week. In Pennsylvania, so much controversy. The president's up, too. He was up 600,000, but the write-in vote seems to be going Biden's way, and people in Philadelphia seem to be coming up with some ballots in some cases out of nowhere, according to the Trump team, and they want to be able to observe it, and they're stopping them from observing where these ballots are from or how they're evaluated. And as I mentioned before, Nevada is six, so if the president gets all four, he wins. Joe Biden's at 264. We gave them, our decision desk gave Joe Biden Arizona. Nobody else did. I don't think anybody, maybe the AP. 
the president's got 214, according to our desk. So he needs North Carolina, Georgia, New York, and Pennsylvania. And they're going to battle on each one of those. And they're going to bat- battle them tooth and nail. And they have a reason for it. The other thing they're doing is asking for a recount in Wisconsin, and they'll get it. Keep in mind, in Wisconsin, they asked for a recount. They only had a few hundred votes change because no one believed that Hillary Clinton lost. First, some universal statements. If you were at a sports network and you were these pollsters, instead they're commentators, and you're asked to predict what will happen and you continue to get it wrong, dramatically wrong, you would get fired. Think about this. ESPN, Fox Sports, if Terry Bradshaw every day is saying, oh, the Giants are a great team. They're going to go undefeated. I bet you they're going to win the Super Bowl. And they're 1-7. and seven. Oh, those Jets can't be stopped. They're 0-8. Oh uh, I'm telling you, this is the year for the Patriots to go back to the Super Bowl. They have only two wins. After a while, they'd go, yeah, I'm going to have to make a change. You probably wouldn't last the year. Number one, it shows you're not doing your homework. Number two, you can't be trusted. If people can't trust you on TV to come up not with solutions but with your idea of how to find those solutions or predictions, you're gone. You're certainly not a handicapper. All these pollsters should be gone. The president's supposed to lose by 10. He's still trailing in the in the popular vote by two. Do you know that Joe Biden's got more votes than Barack Obama and so Donald Trump got more votes now than he did the first time around? Do you know they told him he was going to lose Ohio? It was too close to call, and then it was down two. He won by six. Do you know he was supposed to lose Florida by two? He won substantially and relatively comfortably more than last time. Do you know he was supposed to lose Iowa? He won easily. Do you know that he, he was supposed to lose North Carolina? Right now he is up. He was supposed to turn off and drag down the Republican Party. State House has won. House of Representatives picked up net five seats. Probably more. Burgess Owens could come in today. And you know, on the Senate side, he was supposed to drag the Senate down. They were supposed to leave a socialist in charge. It's supposed to leave a guy hunting for revenge in Chuck Schumer. And as of now, it's 48-48. Do you know they've only flipped two seats right now, Cory Gardner's seat and another seat. They held uh, Gary Peters just beat John James. So it's uh, roughly 49-48. And if the president, if the, if the Republicans get to 51, they hold the Senate. How did that happen? Because they're all wrong. And I just think that big tech, big media is trying to tell you what to think. And they think that you can't possibly disagree with them. And that's why I think it's nuts. And that's why the Trump team is fighting for this tooth and nail. They see the 60 plus million people that voted for him and think there's more. Here's what Bill Stepien said about Arizona. They want this opened up. And last night they got 11,000 more votes and more votes are coming in. Cut to Arizona first. We know that a final batch of mail-in ballots is being counted. We know that the ballots are counted sequentially, meaning that late arriving or uh, votes or, or ballots cast closest to election day are the ones being counted now. We expect, uh, we, we know and expect about half a uh, half million votes uh, are, are left to be counted. And based on the math, that we have been seeing as these late arriving ballots are counted uh, anywhere from from two thirds to 70 percent of these votes are coming to the president. And listen, he just picked up 10, 11,000 last night. And now there's 275,000 uh, plus provisionals, plus some mail in uh, military. Uh, so we're going to get more results uh, today around seven. So we'll see, because the. The Arizona situation is something that's driving 
the Trump team crazy. They don't think the Fox decision desk should have called it. That's what got them up to 64. But they want to fight that out. Keep in mind, too, the president made a mistake. He should have went there more, number one. Number two, when you, when Cinema beats McSally, and when McSally's in so much trouble to Mark Kelly, the president, who's a machine, never turned out, he always will outwork you, didn't go to Arizona enough, and insulting John McCain, even in death, has not helped. And I always knew that was a mistake. And it didn't help. And there's no proof that Cindy McCain endorsing Joe Biden mattered, but there's no proof it didn't because he is royalty in Arizona, even though he did have to struggle to get reelected quite often. So Tim Murtaugh is the Trump communications director. Cut three. We filed one in Michigan today because we want to, we need to have meaningful access, according to state law. We're allowed to observe when ballots are being opened and counted, and they were preventing us from doing that. So we want that. We also are joining the case uh, in Pennsylvania to have the Supreme Court address what Pennsylvania did. They actually effectively moved Election Day. They moved it back three days and allowed the receipt of ballots beyond what the state legislature had set. We're also asking for meaningful access in Pennsylvania so that our poll watchers uh, can see what is actually happening. We don't know why these uh, Democrat operatives in these election locations are blocking us from, uh, from watching that. So they're filing suit. They want to recount in Wisconsin. They're filing suit in Michigan. They're filing suit in Pennsylvania. They're examining now uh, and holding off uh, certification in Arizona. And then in Nevada, they got some real questions. Look at this in Nevada. Now, the president needs those six, and it is so close. It is uh, in Nevada. It is separated by 8,000 votes going in. Now, keep in mind, Nevada is open for judgment. Even if Joe Biden won, this is the first time they decide on a dime. I think in June, we're going to do all mail-in voting. A Democratic governor with a Democratic attorney general decides mail-in voting. It takes time to learn how to do that. Las Vegas, there are some issues. So uh, we are going to uh, look into what chances they have to get the inside straight to get all four of those states. Not heard much from the president, just a few tweets that got stopped by Twitter. So we'll see where that goes, and we'll bring you inside those numbers and ride the breaking news. When we come back, Anna Palmer joins us from Politico, co-author of Politico's Playbook, then Congressman Adam Kinzinger. And then we take your calls. Don't move. Big Thursday. It's Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com slash path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com slash path.
breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on The Brian Kilmeade Show. I trust a system that allows for partisan oversight. The parties, I've been through this twice in Philadelphia and twice in Wayne County. You got to have lawyers, you got to have poll Lawyers. watchers, and you got to treat it seriously because, they're, they're, you know, it, I'm, I don't believe there's massive fraud where millions of votes are being taken, but I do think there's a problem in these big cities that, where you better be looking at them or something bad may happen. Right. And back to Arizona, big cities are looking at yesterday, Rudy Giuliani had a press conference with Eric Trump and um, and Pam Bondi, the former attorney general of Florida, and they were just talking about the lack of observers being able to work in Philadelphia and other areas that are known to be pretty Democratic. And they're also wondering where these surge of ballots are coming from. The Trump team got good news last night. Arizona, latest batch. This is a quote. Uh, Trump gets a share of the votes he would need to reclaim Arizona, but the next rounds of ballots present a new challenge. Here's the quote. Trump received almost the exact share he would need to help back win back Arizona, and there are 11 electoral votes. But the problem for Trump is that he needs to replicate the performance across all of the remaining 470,000 votes left to count in the state, and he needs to do it across all of Arizona's very diverse counties. So we'll see. It used to be a lot easier, so it, they make it seem ominous, but it used to be a layup. Also, Georgia was working through the night to count up their 90,750 ballots. Trump was ahead by 23,000 with 95% of the vote counted. Most of the uncounted ballots so far uh, favor Biden. An update is expected in Georgia, from the Georgia Secretary of State in about uh, an hour and seven minutes. We'll try to carry that. And we know in Michigan, the president's not happy with that result, and he's not happy with that final tally, and he's challenging that. For the longest time, the president was in front. And I think a lot of it is the president looked and saw, I'm in front of North Carolina, I'm in front of Georgia, I'm in front of Minnesota, excuse me, Michigan, and I'm in front of Wisconsin. He loses Wisconsin by a a point. And then in Michigan, they certified it yesterday around 6 o'clock. And you say, wait a second, how does this happen? Well, we have this new pandemic-style voting. And the president doesn't trust these Democratic governors. And they, they've been flat out declaring war on them along the way. But just do it, Mr. President. Let the lawyers do your fighting. For the president of the United States, there's a lot of problems. I would just say very simply, got a lot of issues in a lot of these states. And I really got to make sure that this, uh, this verdict comes out right and then we get a fair look. That's all I want is a fair look. That's it. And we're going to get an examination. We're going to do what we're going to do. And then we're going to let the, let the chips fall where they may. Because, Mr. President, you did... You did great. And I believe sometimes you give it your all and you come in second. I mean, look at this. Biden had 72 million votes as of midnight Thursday. Trump had 68.5 million and could also potentially pass President Obama's record of votes at 69,498,000. So what about this unpopular president? That the Republicans were turning on. Remember the big storyline? The Republicans are going to have to distance themselves from the president sooner or later, or it's going to be a disaster. No, they gained in the House. Well, this is the year, even on the, with the best president, it's going to be tough for Republicans to hold the Senate. There's an excellent chance they will. And in state houses, easy to label this unpopular president with that local state representative. But it didn't work. They flipped no state houses and established one in New Hampshire, Republican. So the Republicans like it. And guess what? That racist seems to get a lot seems to fooling a lot of African-Americans. Not enough, but more than Mitt Romney. And this this so-called unpopular president got the Hispanic vote and coasted off their support to victory there. Now, the Hispanics in Arizona don't seem to like him as much, but they like him more than they did Mitt Romney. And believe it or not, they like him more than John McCain. 
Uh, let's go out to Ken, listening in California. Hey, Ken. Hey, Brian. First time caller. Thank uh, you. Long time listener. Uh, VA uh, uh, employee here in, in uh, California, as well as a Marine Corps veteran. Um, I was just very concerned regarding the the ballot ballot counting, as well as the ballot dumping, as well as the possible uh, premonition that there's watermarks on these ballots in 12 states to secure to make sure that they are not forged. Any any reason why that that could have happened? I don't know. I, I have to verify this stuff because I don't want r- Internet rumors to be the story. I'm not saying this is, but I have not heard that. Today, for the first time on television, Fox & Friends, I heard that when people used hand sanitizers, they could nullify the ballot. Everyone's using hand sanitizer. There's hand sanitizer in every in every voting location. So think about that. Then I heard one story that was making its way around in Arizona that they were being handed magic markers and Sharpies, magic markers, whatever they're called, whatever you want to call them, don't register. Well, it turns out, according to these officials, they do register. But, uh, you know, they were getting all different types of pens. So that was one rumor that was proven not to be true. So these are some of the things that we're looking at. If you're the president, you're doing the same thing Joe Biden's doing. If Joe Biden lost in these states by this much, you'd be looking into it. And if I'm the president, I'd be extremely proud of what everything I did, everything you accomplished, and say I'm going to fight it out over the last four states. I want to make sure the right person won. There's nothing at all wrong about that. Now, in terms of calling Arizona, I don't look at the numbers. I've never been asked to be in the decision desk. I'm not really part of the election coverage, although judging by my email, they think I played an integral role and made all the decisions. Arnon Mishkin did. He's Fox News' decision desk. And he's being asked, like we all are, because we work at Fox, why we called Arizona. Cut one. There appears to be somewhere about 550,000 votes outstanding. Nobody knows the exact number. We think it's a little less than 550,000. Maybe it's a little more than 550,000. The president needs to make up a deficit of roughly 100,000 votes. It primarily will come from Maricopa County. Maricopa County is a, is a county where Biden is doing well. Um, the president needs to get basically 60 percent of that outstanding vote in order to overtake or tie Joe Biden. We don't believe he's going to get more than 45, 46 percent of that vote. Well, OK. <laughs> All right. Uh, we'll see if that reverses. it. Guess what? While I was on the air with Kellyanne Conway today, who is a pollster by trade before she joined the administration, Kellyanne Polls is actually her email address. 538, Nate Silver, who took a pounding this cycle, but is, I think, signed by a major network, came out and said he no longer can put... Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan. But you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. Arizona in Biden's column. So the AP thinks you could do it. Fox News thinks you could do it. But CNN doesn't. And the networks don't. So that's a little different. Here is a... There's a lot to fight about. And I don't think you're being a sore loser fighting it out. And I think if the president lets his lawyers do the fighting, 
Probably not better off not having Rudy Giuliani out there helps because Rudy Giuliani is so polarizing and he's bigger than life. I would like a nondescript attorney, speaks well, understands election issues, out there representing Donald Trump. Now, for the president of the United States, let's get that stimulus package done. Uh, let's talk about if you are going to talk, you could talk about, man, man, what a great night we had in stopping the blue wave, which we know that comes in cycles. And focus on the fact that yeah, the market is up again, 370 points, because they're looking at this election and they said there were no socialists. They stopped socialism in its tracks. And they rebuke Nancy Pelosi and her terrible cartoon-like leadership. The woman that rips up the State of the Union and thinks she did a good thing. Like a spoiled child. I love the class of Paul Ryan. And that's who we need in that spot. Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. Fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. We're going to win Pennsylvania, but they're trying to cheat us out of it because they know it's their only path to victory. They know it's the only path to victory. And so we came here today. We met with all our lawyers. Uh, We are going to file suit in Pennsylvania. It's a shame that we have to do that. That is Eric Trump yesterday uh, talking about uh, talking about what's going on in Pennsylvania some problems he has with happening in Arizona. And by the way, just so you know, Nate Silver has called on Arizona. They say the anyone who puts it in, I guess, us and the AP, but Nate Silver of 538, who did not have a good election night, but just he's well-respected by everyone, uh, but not people that follow his results. But he said this. He calls on Arizona. He says the, anybody who put them in the Biden column, that should be retracted right now, especially about what happened last night. They found 11,000 ballots. But Eric Trump going down with Rudy Giuliani yesterday in Pennsylvania, I don't think it was a great presentation. I think that you should question what's going on, especially in Philadelphia. And the president is leading there and does need it. But how you do it is key. Joining us now is Adam Kinzinger, a Republican, coming off another big win. He garnered 66% of the vote in the, on election, on his reelection of Illinois. Adam, welcome back. Hey, thanks. Good to be with you. Hey, you're doing it. 16th Congressional District is yours again. Does it feel good? Yeah, it does. You know, and I'll tell you, we blew away. I, I was hoping, you know, we had internal hopes for 60 percent, 66. It's a blowout. And uh, honestly, Republicans had a great night nationwide. And that's kind of the untold story right now. And we had a great night in Illinois. We defeated a tax proposal. We defeated a Democratic Supreme Court justice. So it's now tied in Illinois. So for Illinois Republicans, we're pretty happy, pretty excited. And uh you know, it's the beginning of the rebuild. I, th- I thought Trump was supposed to ruin your party. That's what everyone was saying. Yeah, he, no. he's, he's going to ruin your party. No, he's not. And, uh, you know, I think the thing to take from this election is, you know, people want a straight shooter. Um, I think they want somebody that they that they think is saying, you know, what they feel and uh, exciting the base. That's important. We also need somebody, 
you know, that can bring a country together that's really divided right now. And, uh, you know, if Trump wins this reelection, I hope he does that. If Biden ends up winning, I hope he's able to do that, too. So here is what the predictions, some of the pundits on channels you don't watch or shouldn't. Cut 21. President Trump is dragging down Republican senators with him. For parties, uh, sometimes you're the windshield, sometimes you're the bug. And this year, it looks like Republicans are the bug. This could be the, the year where Texas goes blue. More likely, as we sit tonight, that Joe Biden wins a landslide. If we see in those final polls the type of lead that Joe Biden has now, the polls are not going to be wrong. They were, and they are, mm-hmm. at the granular level, even state houses. Congressman, tell me... Now that you know the answer to the question, tell me why we got that answer. Well, I think we got the answer because there is there is there is something to this kind of silent Trump voter. I think there I think the Democrats made a big mistake by pushing so hard for mail and balloting and scaring people that if they go and vote on election day they're going to get covid because I think probably some of their voters then, you know, didn't either turn in their ballots or whatever and then didn't go vote because they were afraid of COVID. I think there's been a number of things. But I also think, Brian, this is going to be someday we'll have to be an hour on your show to talk about it in detail. I think there's a massive political alignment, realignment happening. I think that's part of the reason you see changes so rapidly in vote totals, because as rural areas come in or not urban areas come in, they're vastly Republican, urban areas vastly Democratic. And I think you're starting to see a real massive political realignment that Trump is on the vanguard of, but basically probably would have happened without him anyway. It's just natural cycles in this country. It's going to be amazing to watch. We're, I mean, we did really well among, the His, among Hispanics, among African-Americans, among Asian-Americans, among other non-white groups. And, uh, you know, with, with the white population being basically 60 percent of the country, it's important for us to make serious inroads and talk about opportunity and hope in those communities. Yeah, but not write people checks because you want their vote, but because you provide them opportunities. So we <laughs> sooner or later can be one, one country, not Hispanic or black, or talk about if you're a woman or a male. Actually, uh, Congressman, I give Donald Trump more credit than that than you do. I think his blunt instrument— his refusal to be politically correct and to pander made people nervous like Reince Priebus and others. And justifiably, they had their whole autopsy on how to win the Hispanic vote. And the president just blew all that up. But by not pandering but, and not having a secret agenda, as you know, there's no secrets there. Uh, I think that people really took to it more than anyone thought. Yeah, look, I agree. And uh, <clears throat> I think you're right. I think, you know, there was uh, there was this view that you know, Hispanic or African-American was a monolithic group. And if you think about it, anybody in any of these groups, you know, they're just like anybody else. We're all the same. And what you want is an opportunity to succeed. And if you're being told repeatedly that the most important thing to vote for is, you know, big government programs and nobody's provided an alternative, you'll do that. But if all of a sudden somebody starts saying to you, and whether it's President Trump or others, you know, look, Look at look at you know where you're at. Do you you should have the same opportunity to succeed if you're born in the you know tough part of Chicago as anybody born in Alexandria, Virginia, the richest suburbs. And that's the message of conservatism that's going to win into the next generation. I think the president was was right in how he initiated that, and now it's going to be up to the party either after the president's out of office in four years or, unfortunately, if he loses right. this, 
to continue to carry that torch forward. So, Adam, you made some news because you went out. You were not happy with the president's tone on election night. What weren't you happy about? Look, here's the thing. You, if there is voter fraud and there is concerns, there is a process to take that on. You take it to the court and you provide evidence. There's nothing wrong if you have that evidence to provide it. What I get really concerned and, and quite upset about is making baseless claims on Twitter that feeds conspiracy theories and undermine that is an undermining of the election. So before I went to bed last night, I actually looked at Facebook, which I never do. And literally nine out of 10 of the stories on my wall were already debunked things that people were talking about. You know, the 100,000 votes that were dumped that only had Biden votes. Well, that was debunked by a news agency that said we actually incorrectly uploaded results to our site. That never happened. That was retracted. But it lives on Facebook or the idea that more people voted in Wisconsin than than were registered. Not true either. Those are the kind of things that not necessarily today. But over the next five or 10 years, as people feel disenfranchised, they begin to be upset, rightfully so. And so we have to be adults, take this to court, present evidence, fight hard. I want President Trump to win. I want him to fight for every vote. I just don't want him to stir up people and think something's stolen if it isn't. So Joe Biden says he wants to bring people together, and that sounds good. The problem is the guy that was there, President Obama, who has got this great charisma and presence, never brought anyone together. And I don't think it's because people had a bias against him. It's because they were never – Republicans were never dealt in. Is Joe Biden different if Joe Biden wins, of course? So, well, first off, yeah, like President Obama, he he started out saying he wanted to, and then he just kind of went off the rails and said, you know, Republicans are the worst. And it was all over. With with Vice President Biden, he – he has a reputation of being a deal maker. Uh, the question is, you know, does he have handlers or is it his decisions? I think the thing that can make it more likely is the fact that it looks pretty good that we're going to hold the Senate. So it's the next best scenario to President Trump winning is if President, if Vice President Biden wins, right. um, holding the Senate because that will temper the far left in his administration. So I got a, a text message from a now former congressman today who said, Nancy Pelosi better watch herself because Hakeem Jeffries is coming for her or Cedric Richmond, and that she is extremely diminished after her prediction turned into an implosion. And you guys picked up net as of today. Could get bigger at five seats instead of losing 20. Oh, man, listen, they had a hard time passing stuff with the majority they had. This is going to shrink even more than just five seats. Um, here's I want to pitch this on your show. What I think would be interesting is if the moderate Democrats cut a deal with Republicans for a moderate Democratic speaker, you know, who's going to give Republican things and Republicans vote for that moderate Democrat. Um, you know, instead of a far left liberal, obviously, name one as a way to actually have some power. Name, uh, name three. I don't know. You know, I think of like, I think of like Tim Ryan of Ohio. You know, those kinds of people. But you know, I don't know. I, it's just kind of an interesting idea because I think they're going to have a massive fight in their party. You think about when Boehner stepped down or Paul Ryan did. You know, there was always a week where we were kind of like, who's going to be next? And, and it's going to be interesting. I don't think she lasts through this. She may, but. She got the Democrats got shellacked in the House, period. Gotcha. And you're in that House. Uh, maybe you'll be back in the majority again next cycle, 2022. Congressman Adam Kinzinger, thanks so much. 
Anytime. See ya. Congratulations. one 408 7669 Anna Palmer, Politico, next. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Republicans won two seats in the Miami area. They beat uh, incumbents. They beat Max Rose in New York. I'm not sure if that's officially called, but Republicans are quite confident that they've won that seat. They won a, they won a seat in South Carolina. Joe Cunningham got knocked off. They won a seat back in Oklahoma. I mean, just uh, by the way, I just want to make this clear, and this doesn't mean anything besides just making this fact, making this statement. Uh, Republicans did not expect this. Uh, they expected no. at best to keep their losses to single digits in, in the House of Representatives, but they did not expect a net gain of seats. And by the way, in a great sign for House Republicans, something they've struggled with, a bunch of women have won their races. That is a big deal for Republicans who have struggled with women in their ranks. And currently it's like 204 to uh, uh, to. Uh we're there, 204 to 190, I think it is. Uh, but we still have a lot of House races need to be decided. That was Jake Sherman of Politico. Let's bring in Anna Palmer, who's a senior Washington correspondent for Politico and co-author of Politico's Playbook. Uh, Anna, I, I'm, I'm, thanks so much for joining us, by the way. Of course. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so I'm, I'm seeing a lot of a Playbook today is all about the challenges, about the legal challenges. Can we begin in Nevada? Now, it's mostly mail-in now. Even though the margin is small, I think about 8,000 votes Uh, And it's less than a point, I think 0.4 percent. You believe it's going to be a tough road to hoe because? Yeah, it's it kind of these numbers are really interesting because it seems like it shouldn't be as hard as it maybe it it actually is for the president. But of the nearly 600,000 mail ballots that have been returned by voters statewide, nearly half of them have been for Democrats. Um, And so you just the impact of Democrats early on six months ago, really pushing mail in voting is being uh, seen in a lot of these states that are still counting ballots. So, yeah, so they're going to recap. But mail in, they're kind of new to. Have you heard of a focus on Las Vegas and maybe things are a little confusing there? I think that, you know, as far as all of these states are kind of in uncharted territory, I do think we've seen fairly um you know, things work pretty well, actually, for the first time in a lot of these states. Um, Las Vegas is still doing counting, obviously. But, you know, there's going to be a lot of, of ballots that are going to come in. And it's it's about predictions at this game. We don't actually have the real numbers. And Nevada has been slower than most of these states. I mean, I think you saw Florida really a shining example of how to handle mail-in votes, you know, in-person votes and get the results very quickly. Nevada has been very slow to give us any information. Very interesting. And and Florida did do great. And I never thought I'd ever say that on a, the day after an election. <laughs> they got it all together quick and, and precise. I don't see any challenges, even by the Biden team, who's probably disappointed and surprised by the result. Uh, here's Eric Trump. Excuse me. Here's Rudy Giuliani yesterday with Eric Trump in Philadelphia beginning to mount their challenge in Pennsylvania. Cut seven. All the things that often lead to disqualification of ballots or make it very easy to dump 50,000 totally fraudulent ballots because they're not observed. This went on for 20 hours. 
while all of you thought there was some kind of legitimate count going on here in Philadelphia, it was totally illegitimate. So his claims yesterday, do they resonate with the research that you've come up with? I think that the Trump campaign is going to try to find any legal challenge they can here. Uh, I, I think Rudy's claims of a national you know, lawsuit doesn't, I think, doesn't make sense to a lot of people. But certainly they're going to have some challenges about, I think there's one in a rural district in Pennsylvania where a, a, you know, a Biden cha- you know, kind of vote challenger was not allowed in that's going through the court process. I would expect several lawsuits at that kind of more granular level. Whether they end up rising through the courts, we, we have yet to see. You know, the, the thing is, Anna, I was talking to Jonathan Turley and Andy McCarthy. They said this two weeks ago. The Supreme Court, who kept this decision, 4-4 on this decision, to allow ballots to count, even though they don't have to be postdated November 3rd, is the inviting of a problem if Biden had won or Trump had won. It was almost in saying, I'll see you soon, the <laughs> Supreme Court should say. So it, it makes people wonder, because right now the president's got uh, an advantage of 196,000 votes. Uh, and there's about a million votes left to count. Some said, where where do most of those votes sit? Yeah, a lot of them are expected to sit in the Pittsburgh, Philadelphia urban centers. And that will, uh, I think the Biden camp hopes, will help them cut into Trump's lead. Uh, you know, there were still, I think, half a million or so, maybe a little bit less, mail-in ballots to count. Um, but those are going to be in a lot of areas that the Biden camp feels like they're going to do well. You have Senator Bob Casey, who he and his father have been doing statewide elections in the state for a very long time, for decades, saying that they believe Biden will be up 100,000 votes at the end of the day. So overall, uh, the other big focus is Arizona. I got up today to find out that 538 Nate Silver says no longer does he put that in Biden's column. Last night, they came up with 11,000 votes for Trump, the exact proportion he needs to keep on counting. They're going to keep counting there. Uh, do the what does the Trump team see in Arizona? Yeah, the drama of Arizona, um, which has really upset the Trump camp since uh, Fox News put it in the Democratic camp for Biden early, much earlier than a lot of other uh, other uh, outlets. The AP this morning did at 2:40. So the issue really is here: the the Trump camp believes that they can make up some ground. Um, there's still 470,000 votes left to count in the state. The real question is, he has been, the the president has been cutting into Joe Biden's lead there, you know, kind of, you know, kind of every single day doing that. But the real question is going to be, can he continue to do it at the same rate across 15 diverse counties, including some that are very blue, Pima County, uh, Santa Cruz County, and some others. And so that's going to be the real the real test there. Nancy Pelosi's leadership uh, has helped let the Republicans pick up at least five seats, maybe more, when she was supposed to increase the model. What do you think that does for her future as speaker? And I say never count out Nancy Pelosi because you do at your own peril. Uh, I've covered her first speakership and now her second speakership very closely. I think there's a lot of frustration among House Democrats that not only did they lose these seats, but they didn't even see it coming. They're going to have their first kind of caucus-wide call this afternoon at 2 o'clock. I would expect some disgruntlement. Uh, At the same point, nobody has put their name in the ring, and so you can't beat you know, somebody with nobody. That's going to be the real test. Is anybody actually going to challenge Nancy Pelosi? She's a really good vote counter. And I think up until now, a lot of House Democrats have thought she's really handled the president pretty well. Anna Palmer, love your uh, the playbook every single day. It really helps me out. So I owe you a favor. Thanks for doing it. Anna Palmer, thank you. You got it. 
Uh, listen, this is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Go to briankilmeadeshow.com, order the podcast, get it on Spotify, get it on iTunes. With Fox News Podcasts Plus, you can enjoy all your favorite Fox News podcasts without commercials. Subscribe now at foxnewspodcasts.com. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. Brian Kilmeade here. Thanks so much for listening as we come to you back in New York, heard around the country, heard around the world. Uh, the Brian Kilmeade Show. We'll have Jonathan Swan and Chris Wallace this hour. Uh, so we're going to bring you the latest news. And I'll, before we even get to the big three, this has just been handed to me. And Pam Bondi just said this on Fox Business. Quote, we have one Pennsylvania, and they're not going to take it away from us by bringing in ballots later than postmark, later than November 3rd. That's a quote from yesterday. Now, Pam Bondi just said this. An appellate judge just entered an order saying that we are to be immediately let into the convention center with a six-foot distancing of all aspects of the vote, counting effective immediately so they can observe these votes being counted. So a small victory, but the big thing is they do not want ballots counted that arrive after November 3rd. That, to me, is a logical thing to have. I don't know why Pennsylvania uh, can't get this done. If it's not postmarked by November 3rd, there's a, there's a deadline in life. That's it. The bell rings. If you're not there, the door closes. You can't get into social studies class in 11th grade. That's the story. If you mail in a ballot and it's not postmarked by November 3rd, you shouldn't count. In Pennsylvania, for some reason, it counts. And that bothers the Trump team. Why wouldn't it? Because most of the mail-in ballots are uh, Democrat. We're also seeing a narrowing in, in uh, Nevada, too. So we're going to keep you up to date on what's happening. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. I'm not here to declare that we've won. But I am here to report when the count is finished, we believe we will be the winners. Uh, that was uh, Joe Biden basically declaring himself the winner. He says he wants to unite the country and represent all Americans. Do you believe him? Is that possible? Number two. But it has been remarkable to see the stability, not only between the 2016 and 2020 presidential map, but also yeah. in congressional races and Senate races up and down. Not only is there no wave, it's like a it's like a pond where you <laughs> drop in a rock and there's no ripples. Uh, that is so true. Stunningly, the blue wave hit a brick wall in 2020 from the Senate to the state houses to the House of Representatives and the president outperforming all predictions. If you look at Ohio, you look at Iowa, you look at Florida and getting almost 70 million votes and defying almost all polls. Now and why do the so-called experts get it wrong again? We'll examine. Number one. It is still on in five battleground states. Millions of Americans have yet to have their voices heard. Uh, that is uh, the election. It's still up for grabs as Trump's path to election glory narrows his chances of a four-state sweep uh, as his legal team fights to uh, win most of those battleground states. And what are those four states? Nevada, he wants. Alaska is likely to get. Uh, it's pretty much done. They just haven't declared it. Uh, he wants to make sure he can hold on to slim leads in Pennsylvania, as well as North Carolina and Georgia. Can he do it? Yes. Is it going to be tough? Yes. Considering we don't know quite what is left uh, in a time in which we're in uh, with so many mail-in ballots. So let's first, before we welcome in our next guests, let's pause. Now it is time to clear the airwaves for the esteemed host of Fox News Sunday. You are to refer to me only as the big guy going forward. <laughs> the battleground big guy. The chairman of the choosing. I want to be called the big guy like I want to be called oligarch. And the oligarch of the, um, big guys? I love that. Chris 
Wallace. <laughs> that is good. Hey, Chris, welcome back. Again, again, I, I don't understand why you have a bigger budget for my introductions than I have for my entire show. But yeah, well, anyway, I, I appreciate it. <laughs> and and uh, incidentally, that voice, I mean, if I had that voice, I'd actually might have made something of my career. Frank Bruno. Huh? Yeah, just say, when you see Bad Frank voice. Bruno in New York, give him a hug. I don't know Frank Bruno. Well, he, Frank, Frank knows you. Frank, okay. if you're so listening, Frank, wherever you are. Up. But but and give me a hug. But we got I got to have a vaccine first. <laughs> they can give me a hug. Well, it's happening any day now. You've heard the president. Any day we're going to get one. Yes, warp speed. So here we go uh, in the battleground states. First off, do you believe the Biden people would be doing the same thing the Trump people are doing? Um, yeah, probably. I you know probably. Uh, you know, here's the here are the two. Problems I have, I, I, and I, there's nothing wrong with lawsuits. There's nothing wrong with recounts. Anything that is part of the rule of law, I don't have any problem with it. Um, what I don't see so far, and you know, we just had this this thing, and I'm glad you called it a small victory because that's what it was. The, the Republicans wanted more access to uh, what what was going on in Philadelphia with the vote counters, and instead of having to be you know, 20 feet away and having to look through literally through binoculars, they're going to be six feet away. Um, what we haven't seen in any state so far, as, a, as opposed to Florida, for instance, in 2000, is any solid evidence of voter fraud going on. Uh, that, so that would be point one. And point two, in a lot of the cases where they're filing suits and trying to disqualify votes, it's been like 130 votes or something. So, you know, I think the two things and look, Trump may well win. I'm not saying he's going to lose. But if it comes down to lawsuits, one, they've got to find harder evidence of voter fraud and irregularity, like you saw with the butterfly and the hanging chads and stuff in Florida. And two, it's got to be enough that it actually would make a difference between winning and losing. Understood. Chris, so a couple of things. Last night, 11,000 votes were found in Arizona. That is the threshold, they say, to keep alive and keep the counting. Nate Silver from 538 said, I'm now taking that off the Biden column and I'm putting it in play. Uh, do you see? And this is one thing pretty consistent. Uh, the Trump team was really upset about Arizona. And even though other states were closer, they kept fixing, getting fixated on Arizona. Why do you think that is? Um, well, I think it, it, part of it is is spin and optics because at a part of the night where the trump had just won on election night had just won florida and you know there was a sense wow the, this is not going to be a blue wave and 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 the, the the presidential coalition is holding and in fact building in terms of hispanics suddenly to have florida and that was the you know that's the first state uh to flip that that one side had won and the other uh, had been able to take from it. You know, it's like, as I said on the air, it's like holding serve and suddenly somebody breaks service in a game. That's what that's what happened with Arizona, a state that Trump won and now Biden had taken. Look, I don't know. You don't know. I mean, we're not smart enough. We're not done of the mathematics to know what what the ad, adding is and, you know, what how many votes are out and where they're from and how, what percentage they're going for one or the other. I'm just going to say that I have a lot of faith in the Fox News decision team. And if they rescind the call, then, you know, that's that. But until they do, I'm I'm sticking with them. There's a story in Politico today, Politico magazine, that said Trump actually in many ways did better, not only more cumulative votes, 
But he took a time in which he's in the middle of a pandemic, coming off an impeachment prior to the Mueller report that at the very least uh, uh, would say is controversy, controversial, never had, a, never had a honeymoon. And he went out and he defied the odds in Ohio, defied the odds in Iowa, defied the odds in and the polls in Florida. Uh, he looks like he could hold on to North Carolina. There was no Texas relinquishing because of Trump, and there was no uh, lack of coattails because of Trump. He did not destroy the party. He accumulated more votes from before and actually did better than Mitt Romney, en route to doing better than Mitt Romney. Are you into the belief when all the dust settles and if Trump can't win, they're going to look back and say that was a pretty impressive showing? No. I mean, I think everything you said is right. Uh, and, and, you know, the blue wave didn't happen. And, you know, the president had the pandemic. He had a lot that he had to overcome. But, you know, and that's the thing that's so brutal about politics. Uh, winning is winning and losing is losing. And uh, I remember covering a, a race for mayor in 1971. Kevin White in Boston ended up being surprisingly co- close. And his campaign manager said to me at the end, you know what? They put your name in the door. They don't put how much you won by. I mean, if if uh, Joe Biden, I'm, again, I'm not saying he's going to win, but if he wins and Donald Trump loses, and I, I, here's the one aspect in which I think you're right. I think that uh, as opposed to some other people who've lost, like Jimmy Carter or George Bush 41, well, mind, yeah. I, I, th- I think that, uh, that a, a defeated Donald Trump would still have a lot of clout in the party. Because he has still shown that, you know, 70 million Americans supported him. But in the end, you know, look at Gore and Bush uh, in, in, in 2000. Bush didn't he won. He had 271 electoral votes. He won by two electoral votes. Uh, he was the president and he didn't he didn't govern like a lame duck. He governed like he had a mandate. And Gore went into obscurity. Now, I don't think the Trump would go into obscurity, but uh, winning is winning and losing is losing. Yeah, I don't think so. And, and and that's just how I view. I don't think in life uh you can have that uh, all or nothing attitude, a period. Uh, but I, in politics you can. Yeah. I mean the fact not, is not really uh, because he, he assembled he assembled this team. One of them is going to be the president and the other is going to be a loser. And I'm not saying it's necessarily going to be Biden and Trump. It may be Trump and Biden, but but you know, it just strikes me that one of them is going to be the leader of the free world and the other is going to be out of a job. So here is the predictions before were overwhelmingly negative. You know the polls. There was one poll that had Iowa seven points to Trump, and no one could believe it. They said, wait a second. Paul, he's actually winning. He's supposed to lose by two, according to Nate Silver in Florida. It was a, a toss-up in Texas. That was not true. Here's what Larry Sabato said on CNBC, Cut 17. Yeah, I'm delighted that I'm not a pollster. Yeah. Uh, so I can criticize them freely. Uh, look, they're going to have to completely redesign what they do. Uh, yes, there was a hidden Trump vote. They've been denying it forever. People in my field have been denying it forever. I think there's clear proof in the two elections, 2016 and 2020. Do you believe they have to redesign everything? I mean, you gonna, you're going to tell me you're going to look at the polls the same way, Chris Wallace? No, I, I was going to say that. I, I, I completely agree that the polling is broken. I mean, the, to me, the most egregious example was the, the Wall Street Journal, uh, no, Washington Post uh, ABC poll that a couple of days before the election said that Biden was up by 17 points yeah. in Wisconsin. 17 points of Wisconsin, and he apparently won by less than two points. 
there's something fundamentally wrong. I don't I don't know what it is. Uh, you know, I don't know if it's the shy Trump voter, if we're not able to act, you know, that our systems aren't able to reflect who, uh, you know, what what the electorate is. I mean, the poll is depending on an accurate reflection of the total electorate. And clearly we're undercounting Trump right. voters. But I, you're exactly right. There is no way I'm going to read a poll Look at a poll, and particularly on a, on election night, look at look at the polls the same way. I, I you know, they're to me they're kind of useless at this point, and I hate to say that. So here's the one silver lining: polls are, are a kind of a lazy way to cover elections, right? I mean, you just sit there and say, "Well, so and so's ahead by 17 points in Wisconsin." That's that. I think that it, what it means is we're going to have to put people out in the field and do even more shoe leather and talk to real voters and see what their real concerns are. Because, you know, the people with their little pies of, of you know, well, we're going to take six uh, of, of these kinds of voters from this area and four of those kinds of voters, and that'll recreate the entire state. It just isn't working. I agree. And and it's, uh, you know, as I said on television and sports, if Fox Sports had me on as an analyst and I was saying the Giants are going to go undefeated and they're one and seven. And if I said, look out for the Jets, their late season surge and they're now zero and eight. Uh, they would say, Brian, listen, this will be your last week. That's simple as that. We, we have to make a change because you have no credibility as soon as they play the game. And But there was nothing that changed. But here's what backs up. I, I think sometimes in life you can win and your glory can be delayed. And I think Ari Fleischer defined it in political terms best. Cut 14. Win, lose, or draw. Donald Trump should be known for this. Take a look at the numbers, Sean. Black votes. This is John McCain's vote. Four percentage of the black vote went to John McCain, six percent to Mitt Romney, eight percent to Donald Trump when he ran for the first time, 12 percent last night. He has tripled John McCain's number and doubled Mitt Romney's. Let's go to Hispanics. The Hispanic vote, 31 percent for McCain, 27 percent for Romney, 28 percent for Donald Trump the first time he ran, 32 percent last night, Hispanic vote for Donald Trump. This is how you make inroads. Donald Trump has expanded the party in numerous ways. And for all these people to say racist, racist, they're wrong, wrong. And then you look at what happened in the House. They closed in. They, they picked up five seats. And the Senate looks like it could hold. Your, your final thought, Chris? I, well, I, I completely agree with Ari, especially on Hispanics. There is no question that, uh, that Donald Trump found a way to appeal to, to the and, and it's particularly important because the Hispanic vote is the, the fastest increasing uh, voter block in the country. So there's no question that he has found a way to appeal to them. Uh, you know, when he doesn't, yes, it would be nice to have a majority, but if he gets into the 30s, uh, you know, that, that really means that the Democrats cannot count on the Hispanic vote in lots of parts of the country. It was probably the difference in, in Florida for, for Trump winning and Biden losing. So I do think that could, could if, they, if they play it right, could be a lasting impact and a, and a big advantage for the Republican Party. No question about it. Chris, you have any idea for Sunday yet before I let you go? <laughs> well, you tell me where. The answer is no. I mean, I, we, we, it could be that we have, and everybody has called the race, and we know one person is the president. I kind of think that we will. I mean, I kind of think that, that these various states by Sunday, I mean, we're just Thursday morning, will have sorted themselves out, and whether it's Trump or Biden, we'll know who the president is. But having said that, you know, there's the possibility of covering the transition. There's the possibility uh, of covering lawsuits, if it's still very much up for grabs. 
uh, we'll see. You know, <laughs> that's the that's the news business. <laughs> Chris, we're going to watch Fox News Sunday. Chris Wallace, great job on election night. Uh, thank you. Same same to you, always. All right. Thank you. Go get him, Chris. Uh, bottom, next is all your, ty- your turn, one 408 Then we welcome in Jonathan Swan uh, from Axios, the best, one of the best in the business, in case Chris is still in the line. Expanding your knowledge base, it's Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. Welcome back, everyone. I'm just watching the press conference. It looks as though uh, it looks as though the president has won his suit to have, as I mentioned earlier with Chris, and now uh, Pam Bonney has filed a suit to allow the observers of this uh, uh, ballot checking, the election observers, to get closer. They had to look through binoculars. So they just had a press conference, Corey Lewandowski and Pam Bondi, and they said just about that. Uh, I'm worried about accepting ballots after November 3rd. That bothers me, and it should bother you. Let's go to—who's my first call? Hey, let's go to Craig uh, on WHIO. Good morning. I appreciate the opportunity to bounce a question off of you. What I see on Twitter is that um, there is a big question. Why did we make so many gains as Republicans in Congress when the president is struggling— to win the election. And then the threads that follow immediately degrade into uh, conspiracy and fraud. My observation, my question is this. I want to know what you think. I think what happened is that Republicans in my area went to the poll and voted a straight Republican ticket except for Trump. And they didn't vote for Trump because they're tired of his unregulated, uncontrolled speech and his... um, issue on COVID. And so I think what happened is you got overwhelming support for Republican principles, Republican ideas, but you had an absolute referendum on Trump and yeah, unregulated. I, I mean, l- listen, if, if everything's right on the ballot, you're 100 percent right. There's no conspiracy there. That looks like it would bailed out, you know, because especially in some of these places where they picked up House seats and they held the Senate in North Carolina, for example, Tom Tillis, it looks like he's holding there and they're struggling. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Information you want. Truth you demand. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. North Carolina. Big victory with North Carolina. And... So we won there. We lead by 76,000 votes with almost nothing left. And all of a sudden, everything just stopped. This is a fraud on the American public. This is an embarrassment to our country. We were getting ready to win this election. Frankly, we did win this election. 
And we have not heard from the president since. A few tweets. Uh, but joining me now, Jonathan Swan, who predicted the president was going to declare victory uh, early on. Uh, either way, and Jonathan, you were kind of right. Well, I didn't predict it. I just reported that he had talked about doing that with his aides over the last few weeks. He'd literally gone through that scenario that if he looked like he was ahead on election night, he was going to give a speech and say that he'd won the election. And that's literally all I reported. I don't, I don't do predictions. Yeah, I, I should have used a different word. When I redo yeah. this show for the West Coast, I'm going to take that word prediction out. I'm going to put reported <laughs> in. Uh, so, Jonathan, yeah, so when we, we, he came out and said it. I don't think his aides wanted him to say that. The proper message was probably Mike Pence. Don't you agree? Yeah, of course. I mean, the right thing to say, it's, it's perfectly fine to say we think we're going to win this election or we expect to win this election. We're really happy with the results. And, you know, they could have even taken a giant victory lap at, you know, how so much of the punditry and the polling uh, was wrong. And, you know, there's plenty of things for him to say. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's just not it's just not true. Are you surprised he's been he quiet since? Well, he's not been quite on Twitter, um, but yeah, publicly, um, publicly he has. And uh, the campaign is fighting really, really hard. I mean, they're, they're fanned out. They've got surrogates out in multiple states, Nevada, Arizona. Uh, obviously, the big focus right now is on Pennsylvania. The campaign's just said, like just in the last few minutes, that they won. This is the Trump campaign that they've won a lawsuit to allow them better access to watch yeah. Counting of votes in Philadelphia, which is obviously significant uh, to some extent, not necessarily decisive. And there's a huge, still remains a huge amount of consternation within Trump world about the Fox News decision desk and the Associated Press making that early call uh, that Trump had lost Arizona. And as I mentioned before, 538 has said he's taken Biden out of his column, Nate Silver, who's kind of trouble reestablishing right. his credibility. But he just uh, took it out. He says after picking up 11,000 votes last night, he's got a model that he could maybe have success in uh, in Arizona. We also know in Georgia, with 99 percent of people reporting 18,000, he has a lead of 18,000 still in Georgia and North Carolina. Even though they don't have to report till next week, he's still got that lead. Tom Tillis still has that lead. So these are uh, those are two states in which he needs, and then he needs Nevada. And as I mentioned, Arizona would be a surprise, but he also needs to to take Georgia, North Carolina, as well as Pennsylvania. Out of those yeah, three, and Nevada, first of all, and Pennsylvania, what, what do you think is going to be the biggest, the most difficult? Pennsylvania is really what this is coming down to, which is what a lot of people in the Trump campaign expected. Um, all the focus right now is on the vote count in Pennsylvania. One of the real challenges of following this, Brian, is – it's not just about, you know, everyone's doing their, on the Trump campaign and the Biden campaign, they're doing their modeling, you know, you know, X votes in this county, here's the percentage we expect, blah, blah, blah. One of the challenges is there still isn't certainty about how many votes are out there. <laughs> so, so you can do all the modeling you want, but if, if, if there's not a clear picture of what the outstanding numbers of ballots are, then, you know, your modeling can be proven wrong. Uh, so it's very challenging to follow. That's a good point, because when they say 99 percent of the votes counted, they don't know uh, that 99 percent. They change the model as they get more and more ballots. Exactly. 
So in the, in Nevada in particular, that seems to be the closest, about 8,000 distance. And they did all mail-in ballots. And they say that they're focusing on Las Vegas to get that, those, next, those necessary six electoral votes. Is there, is there been reports of any credibility of something going on in Las Vegas that should have the Trump people concerned? I don't. I haven't done first-hand reporting on this, so I really don't want to um, talk about something that I'd only have second-hand knowledge of, Brian. I don't want to do a disservice to your listeners, so I just I'm just not in a position to be able to say whether that's true or not. I do know the Trump campaign have deployed Rick Grinnell, who Trump's former uh, director of national intelligence, to to Clark County. I know they've got Matt Schlapp, who's another prominent Trump ally there. They've got a whole bunch of folks in Nevada on the ground there looking at this at this kind of stuff. So CNN was reporting, Dana Bash, that the president's pretty down about the prospects and even the strategy of winning this. What do your reporting say? Well, I, I, I would say he's more defiant and angry um, than uh, I haven't heard that he's down. I, I know that he's angry and uh, is you know, what he's saying privately is really no different than what he's been saying publicly. He is saying to people that, that the Democrats are stealing this election and he's, you know, wanting to... I mean, the problem with their position is... And he just sort of clarified, he tweeted out in all caps, stop the count. And the problem is if you stop the count, you know, if you take that literally, you stop the count, you know, Biden's the president uh, with 270 electoral votes. He then clarified and said, stop the counting of ballots that arrive after the election. And to me, that's the most interesting legal... Uh, potential legal dispute right now. If it comes down to Pennsylvania, and we've we've been reporting on this for a while, there is a potential path to the Supreme Court for the Trump campaign to to litigate the idea of counting ballots that arrive after election day. What's not clear yet, Brian, is whether that will matter. Is we don't know yet the number of ballots that have arrived after election day and whether that number of ballots has the percent, uh, pot- potential to be consequential in deciding the results. So there's a lot of ifs and buts, but that seems to me the most, you know, you can easily get distracted by a lot of the talk about litigation, but the reality is most of the stuff we're hearing about litigation is inconsequential. You know, recounts typically, you just go back through history, they don't change huge numbers of votes. We're talking hundreds of a percentage point in terms of recounts. And, you know, okay, better access to watching the polls. Yes, I'm not dismissing it entirely. But the one that's really interesting and potentially consequential, we just don't know yet based on the numbers, is the Pennsylvania route to the Supreme Court. I just don't know that there's going to be enough votes there that are going to be uh, make it consequential. Talking to Jonathan Swan of Axios. Jonathan, a little from the predictions going into Election Day. Cut 21. President Trump is dragging down Republican senators with him. For parties, uh, sometimes you're the windshield, sometimes you're the bug. And this year, it looks like Republicans are the bug. This could be the, the year where Texas goes blue. More likely, as we sit tonight, that Joe Biden wins a landslide. If we see in those final polls the type of lead that Joe Biden has now, the polls are not going to be wrong. So obviously every one of those men were wrong. How yep. did the Republicans avoid the blue wave? How did they how did they earn the right to to stop it? What did they do? Uh, it just turns out there's a lot more uh, people in this country who wanted to vote Republican than the modeling than all of these uh, brilliant pollsters and uh, 
and modelers uh, predicted. And, you know, there were some just ghastly polling errors. I mean, <laughs> Wisconsin, I mean, the last, the ABC Washington Post poll had Biden up by 17 percentage points. I mean, we're not talking about small margin of error sort of stuff. You know, I mean, this is sort of, I mean, I don't even know how you can, <clears throat> at this point, I mean, what do you even say about a poll like that? It literally had Biden up by 17 percentage points. And, you know, Wisconsin went down pretty close to the wire. So um, there's going to be a huge industry-wide reckoning, as there should be. So I'm just seeing Georgia has given an update on their vote count. I mean, it used to be Florida was one big deal. Now you got uh, Pennsylvania, you got Georgia, you got a lot of interest in the votes that were picked up in Arizona last night. And, of course, Nevada is supposed to come out and say something around 12 today. So, Jonathan, I want to bring you to a story. I don't want to reflect yet because we're in the middle of the fire. But it's hard right. not to see this in Politico. John Harris writes, uh, in many ways, this Trump loss was more impressive than his win. Throughout the Mueller report, the impeachment mess, the illegitimate, uh, the illegitimacy that most people like John Lewis, the late John Lewis tagged him with, he's an illegitimate president. All the headwinds that he's had, some he caused himself, I get that, but some he didn't like the pandemic. He still went out and, and almost replicated this thing. The same thing that, that Rip Romney couldn't do, that McCain couldn't do, uh, knocking down that blue wall. He's within a whisker everywhere. We don't know how it's going to end up. But when you look at what he did again in Ohio, again in Florida, again in Iowa, while holding at the same rate Texas and all the other red states, I know we're going to need a, you know, a, let's talk about the history of twenty uh, which, of 2016, maybe the book you're going to write next. It's impossible not to salute the president in some way for what he did. He's, there's something about Trump that uh, I, I can't remember who wrote this. It's sort of funny. It's sort of like this. Um, this force of nature that uh, overwhelms measurement instruments. You know, there's just something when you have Trump on the ballot, it, 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 there is something that uh, a lot of pollsters miss and uh, people do not do a very good job of interpreting. But I do think it's important to look at the realignment that's happening around the country. It's, it's not a straightforward realignment. Trump uh, is obviously his base and his strength is with white uh, non-college educated voters, but he made inroads with Hispanics. Uh, he made inroads with African-American men. Uh, uh, so th there is interesting things happening in the country. Um, obviously, also, you have a story about different states um, diversifying and becoming more urban. And, and you look at a state like Georgia, which people would not have expected to be uh, a razor tight race like this. You know, Georgia should, you know, we, we think of Georgia as a red state. I mean, now it is clearly a purple state. So there's, re and obviously Arizona's moving as well. So there are all sorts of realignments happening around the country, but there's just no question about it. Donald Trump has a distinct and powerful appeal um, that is often underestimated by the measurement tools that we are used to referring to in politics. Right. And, and Jonathan, the thing that's unique is it's not just about him. You look at other people and look at the Senate, look at the state houses, look at the House pickup. If it was just about him, there would have been a disaster behind him. I hate to tell you, the best politician, best speaker in the country right now, Barack Obama, was always about him. The DNC collapsed under him. The money he raised went to his super PAC. He left without the White House, without the Senate, and without the House. He had 60 votes in the Senate and gradually lost everything. 
Well, I, I would like, I do think we do need to kind of, you know, remind ourselves that under Trump, they lost the House. And yes, they made some gains back, but it's still a Democrat House, Democratic controlled House. And the Senate, they're not totally out of the woods yet. Uh, we could still see we're going to have these very potentially very, very well funded Georgia runoffs. Uh, it still seems more likely that Mitch McConnell is the Senate majority leader. But, uh, you know, it, it's not an unblemished uh, record by any stretch. Right. Uh, not unblemished, but I think people think it's the Trump it's the Trump party. But if it was the Trump party, they wouldn't have had any of this success. And, and, and Texas would have flown the coop and they wouldn't have like gotten more congressional seats in the southern part of Texas. Uh, Georgia is definitely changing. It used to be like Alabama. And we're getting an update now. The, pre- the president still has the lead there. So we'll see if this gap closes and if the president can pull an inside straight and find a way to do it. The thing he's going to have the hardest time probably is Nevada, and that's the smallest margin. Jonathan, what are you working on now? I'm following the legal story, and I'm also looking at, um, you know, I'm really focused on Pennsylvania right now because I just think, you know, yes, Georgia's interesting, but this is really going to come down to to the votes coming in in Pennsylvania. So I'm watching that very, very closely, and I'm trying to understand whether the legal strategy has the potential to be consequential. You got it. Uh, Jonathan Swan, all over it. Great work, Jonathan. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. See you, bye. All right. Uh, Axios' own Jonathan Swan, one 408 I'll be back with your calls in just a moment. We're following. We'll give you the latest on the Georgia update, and in about an hour and five minutes, maybe prior to that, uh, we're going to get an update on Arizona. That vote moved towards Trump last night. Newsmakers and newsbreakers. Hear it first, only on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. Welcome back, everybody. Just going to give you an update on Georgia. There are 60,000 votes left to count. Uh, it's going to be in a county, that, the, a county that goes 57, that's going 57-41 for Biden at the moment. But the president's up by 18,000. So this is going to be a nail-biter over in Georgia. So that's what's happening there. We're still waiting. We're uh, Arizona. The president picked up 10,000 votes last night, maybe closer to 11,000. And then we have a situation where it's uh, 8,000 votes in Nevada. The president needs all those uh, along with Pennsylvania, and he's the president of the United States for four more years. He has not spoken out today, but as Jonathan Swan just told us, he has been on Twitter, which is this uh, social media group. I, if I was the president, as soon as, as soon as his verdict is done, either way, I quit Twitter. Uh, they have frozen out too many of his tweets. Tom listening on WABC in Staten Island. Hey, Tom. How are you, Brian? Um, I'm just calling about a previous call who said, he feels that Trump may have lost just because the Republicans didn't vote down his ticket. Yeah. I mean, to me, it sounds like these guys have been paying attention that didn't vote for him. But have they not been paying attention what this man has done for the past four years for this country and, and for the party and what he's done in the last week of his campaign and on, on everything? I mean, what the Democrats have been saying for the past four years. So they're going to cut their nose and spite their face and let these people run the, the country who a guy who's been there for 47 years and done nothing, I did not paid attention to that. I mean, to me, it just sounds totally ridiculous if that was the case, that these Trump uh, voters didn't do that. 
Well, I mean, if North Carolina, North Carolina right now, if the president holds that same distance, it didn't happen in North Carolina, Tom Tillis. So if you look at Georgia, it looks like Purdue is going to hold on. He's got 50 percent of the vote there. If they straight went straight down the line, you got to figure Trump would have got 50 percent of the vote. I'm not telling you I support it. It's just a theory. And it's not a you know, it's not one of those conspiracy theories. Put it this way. All I could tell you, Tom, is the president got. 68.5 million votes. When they count them all, do you know how much President Obama got an all-time record? 69.4. Donald Trump got 68.5, so he added people from his stunning win in 2016. The problem is Joe Biden got 72 right now, so he's going to win the popular vote. For those clowns that said the president would lose by 10 points, he's now down by two on the national vote, and we know that we don't score it by the national vote. John, listen on WNIS in Virginia Beach. Hey, John. Hey, Hey, Brian. Hey, I keep hearing uh, things bandied about uh, as far as conspiracy theories go. And I'm not one given to conspiracy theories, okay? But on election night, they, and and, and, and during the the last few days, I'm reading about magic markers, broken water pipes. I'm reading all kinds of things, poll workers thrown out, covering up the windows so you can't see what's going on inside binoculars and as i'm watching the electoral map all of a sudden when trump was ahead they just stopped counting now whether this is true or not the optics are horrible right but they didn't stop counting the trump wants some people wants them to stop counting after november 3rd that was pennsylvania he wants them to keep counting everywhere else if he wants to win so that's why it was a mixed message he had to modify it right after uh, we'll keep you up to date. We'll try to verify all those conspiracy rumors before we throw them out. That's why I'm not throwing them out. I found out that, yeah, they did use magic markers, but magic markers worked in the machine. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show, coming to you from New York, heard around the country, heard around the world. Coming up shortly, Ken Starr, in a matter of moments, Governor Mike Huckabee, on how the president should be handling these moments of uncertainty. Uh, he needs uh, specific states, and he got, he's got to win them all. If he wants to win four more years in the presidency, the president's been remarkably quiet uh, so far today. He's been on Twitter, but that's about it. And I know that Joe Biden doesn't have anything scheduled for today. I think they're all waiting to see who gets to 271st. The current stake is 264 to 214. We're one of the few networks that gave Arizona to Joe Biden, and the Trump campaign is livid about it, especially after picking up 11,000 votes last night, and there's tens of thousands more to count. We'll discuss all that uh, with these two great guests and also the legal challenge that the president just won in Pennsylvania. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. I'm not here to declare that we've won, but I am here to report when the count is finished, we believe we will be the winners. Uh, that is Joe Biden yesterday, very classy. He all declared, all but declared a victory, but said he talked about uniting the country, representing all Americans. Number one, do you believe him? And if so, is it even possible? 
Number two. But it has been remarkable to see the stability, not only between the 2016 and 2020 presidential map, but also yeah. in congressional races and Senate races, up and down. Not only is there no wave, it's like a it's like a pond where you drop in a rock and there's no ripples. Wow, that is uh, so true. Uh, stunningly, the blue wave hit a brick wall in 2020 for the Senate to stay to the state houses, to the House of Representatives, gains for Republicans. They might even hold the Senate. In fact, it's likely they will. What does that have to do with the experts? Well, the experts were virtually all wrong. Number one. It is still on in five battleground states. Millions of Americans have yet to have their voices heard. That is true. The election is still up for grabs as Trump's path to election glory narrows his chance of a four-state sweep as his legal team fights in most battleground states right now. And his legal team's been fanned out. Uh, They are in Nevada. They are in Georgia. They are in North Carolina. They are raising money in Pennsylvania because they want to finance a legal push to make sure the votes are counted. And in the case of Pennsylvania, not too many are counted. Joining us now is one of the finest legal minds in the country. He served as the independent counsel investigator under Bill Clinton, author of his latest book, Contempt, a memoir of the Clinton investigation. Ken Starr, welcome back. Hey, thanks, Brian. Good to be on. Hey, we're not talking about we're not really talking about polls. We're talking about lawsuits. So in Pennsylvania, a small lawsuit victory, we understand the concerns that uh, Pam Bonney just came out, says an appellate judge just entered an order saying that they, they are to immediately let into the convention center with six-foot distancing of all aspects of the vote, counting effectively so they can observe the votes as they happen in Pennsylvania, in Philadelphia. How significant a victory is that? Oh, it's huge because Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, is historically a hotbed of fraud. This is not propaganda. This is fact. All one has to do is to look at the history of Philadelphia, including recent history. And, Brian, as you well know, you'll see criminal convictions year after year. This goes back over a century to fraud in vote counting in Philadelphia, stuffing ballots in the old-fashioned way of doing things. So thank goodness the effrontery, the, the idea that you can shut out, as they were seeking to do, public participation, honest government. Come on, we have to have checks and balances in this process. And and the city people were refusing to do that. So thanks uh, be to God that there are courts and honest and honorable judges who will say, let's have integrity in the process. That's what it's all uh, about, integrity in the process. And I love the formulation that we now have. Every legal vote should count. We all have anecdotes. I've got plenty of them of questionable uh, kinds, if not illegal kind of activity going on. I hear stuff. You hear more than I do. We've got to do everything that we can. And I praise the president uh, and the president's allies for saying, let's go into these hotly contested places and make sure that every legal vote counts. Here's what Tim Murtaugh said yesterday. This is the legal strategy. Maybe we'll take him one at a time after you after we hear uh, what he's doing for Trump. Cut three. We filed one in Michigan today because we want to, we need to have meaningful access according to state law. We're allowed to observe when ballots are being opened and counted, and they were preventing us from doing that. So we want that. We also are joining the case uh, in Pennsylvania 
to have the Supreme Court address what Pennsylvania did. They actually effectively moved Election Day. They moved it back three days and allowed the receipt of ballots beyond what the state legislature had set. We're also asking for meaningful access in Pennsylvania so that our poll watchers mm -hmm. uh, can see what is actually happening. We don't know why these uh, Democrat operatives in these elections. Yeah, and he got that last one. But the one prior to that is fascinating. The Supreme Court uh, voted 4-4. Uh, to just go down to the lower court and let ballots not be postmarked, but yet evaluated and counted in Pennsylvania. Uh, Jonathan Turley was beside himself with this. So, you know, with a, with a vote this close, it really matters. Oh, absolutely. This was, I think, a tactical um, blunder by the Supreme Court of the United States yeah. uh, in uh, allowing this kind of finagling to go on. And I understand respect for uh, state courts and the state process and so forth. But what, Gover what the, uh, Governor Wolf and what the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania did was to flagrantly violate the Constitution of the United States. They changed the rules not by going to the legislature, which, by the way, had refused to change the rules after a very comprehensive reform uh, pre-COVID uh, of the election laws and the election process. And God bless them for trying to do that. There were some adjustments made legislatively during COVID. But to Governor Wolf, who acted, I believe, I'm just going to say it, lawlessly. It was a power grab. He said, I'm not going to go to the legislature. I'm now going to go to the Supreme Court, which is deeply partisan in Pennsylvania. Shame on them. It's a violation of the Constitution. The Constitution, we all know this. We've all pulled out our constitutions, and we have read. The Constitution says the rules are to be made by the legislature. That's not the governor. That's not the state Supreme Court. So the Supreme Court of the United States swung and missed and has really injured this process in terms of integrity by allowing this uh, to uh, unfold. These are illegal ballots. They're not legal ballots if they were not, in fact, received, because that was the rule prior to the closing of the polls. And it's not a matter of every vote counted. There are rules. In life, there are rules. You know, yeah, it's, it's your right to vote, but you've got to vote within the time period. That's not stopping and not, not taking the rights away from anyone. Uh, that takes logic. So in Georgia, just to give you an idea where we're at with the numbers, Georgia, uh, 60,000 votes still have to be caught, uh, still have to be counted. They think they can do it today. Uh, 18,000 is the distance in which the president's leading. He's got 18,000 advantage. But in most of the county, in the county that where, where most of the ballots have to be counted are, currently it's 57-41 in favor of Biden. So the numbers could be tough in Georgia. Obviously, if he loses Georgia, it's over, uh, Ken Starr, right? Right. It would appear. Yeah, the numbers just are not going to add up. But it's going to be close enough that, depending on Georgia law, there should be a recount. Uh, what we know is that sometimes there's just honest error and not even honest human error. It's just honest computer error, right? Votes not getting uh, counted. Counting is a, is a non-vote. So it's a very complex process. And so we all need to maintain our patience and to say lawyers for President Trump, go do what needs to be done, and courts, please be honest, abide by the law, exactly as you were saying. That's all is being asked. What are the rules? Let's follow those rules. Let's ensure that those rules are, in fact, uh, uh, honored and followed.
Uh, again, I know not necessarily ballot law or election law is not necessarily your thing, but in Nevada in particular, they decided on the fly to make everyone do mail-in ballots. That's it. So they heavily favor Democrats for the most part in this election cycle, and they're doing it for the first time. Uh, so of the nearly 600,000 mail-in ballots that, that were returned statewide, half of them had been from Democrats, while only a quarter have been from Republicans, and the rest are nonpartisan and those registered with minor parties. And there's only a percentage point advantage for Joe Biden at this moment, and they say that's roughly 8,000. They're going to make an announcement in 45 minutes. If if the distance is small, you're already contesting Wisconsin. Do you contest Nevada, and can you? Or does each state decide what val- what warrants an immediate recount? Yes, each state has its own law, and then if the state law, as uh, applied, is not vindicating the constitutional right for one's vote to count equally with others. And that's what the Florida case 20 years ago, Bush v. Gore, was famously all about. What was the problem there? Balance were not being treated the same way. Uh, so that's a that's a, a tough hill to climb, but that still remains as a possibility if in the administration of the Nevada law there has not been an equal-handed approach. I'm not saying that there was not, but that would be the issue. But yes, each state, to answer the initial question, each state gets to follow its own procedures, including what counts for entitlement to a recount. So it was very interesting, too, when it comes to the Senate races. They have a rule in Georgia, you got to have over 50 percent of the voter goes to a runoff. And right now we're looking at uh, Senator Purdue with that 50 percent exactly, flat foot 50 percent. If if you have 50, do you need a runoff or do you need over 50? I think I'm, I'm not sure, but I think it's over 50. You need, you need 50 plus. So that wouldn't do it currently. 50 flat is not going to yeah. do it. I think that's right. But again, you will have to I'll have to do become your research assistant, Brian, and do some research into Georgia law. But isn't this interesting? Every state gets to have its own law. People say, well, wait a second, but you're voting for the president of the United States. Well, here's the good news on that. There is, in fact, a provision in the Constitution that gives Congress, I know it's Congress, but Congress the right to step into a presidential election and pass laws. I'm not saying to demand a recount in a specific uh, case, but we have a very good structure of government, but we just need to follow that structure, and that begins with following the laws of the states. Ken, famously, with the impeachment, the country was pretty divided and pretty angry. How do you compare that to what we're going through now? Oh, you're talking about 20 years I'm ago. Telling, or, I'm comparing yeah, Clinton yeah, to the Clinton years. Yeah. yeah, I was immediately thinking of a current impeachment I was involved in. I think this is worse. Uh, the division is worse because people are yelling and screaming at one another with a velocity that I just it, – it's difficult for me to imagine. People are afraid to put out Trump signs and so forth. People boarding up their businesses around the country. Uh, so I think uh, we've, we've got a serious, to put it mildly, cultural and social politics. It's beyond politics. It's going to humanity and our national uh, character. If we can't talk to one another, even if we're six feet apart with social distancing, then we've, we, we've got to look at ourselves in the mirror as a country and say, come on, how about I'm going to quote Glenn Campbell, the late Glenn Campbell. How about trying a little kindness instead of this vitriol? We can 
disagree with one another without starting screaming and 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 that's and that's what's happened uh the country has now been filled with people uh who act like the radicals of the 1960s but it's not just a handful right it's a whole national movement and lastly one thing another area of your expertise is texas Texas didn't flip. He had basically the same percentage, about five or six points as before. He didn't lose any congressional seats, maybe one. Uh, in the end, the president actually picked up popularity in the southwest Texas. So are you concerned about Texas's future? Uh, and what do you th- why do you think the pollsters got it so wrong calling it a toss-up or one or two votes and Beto O'Rourke saying things like, it's yours to lose, Joe Biden? Oh, it's just ridiculous. Uh, no, I had every confidence that uh, Texas, where I live, where I was born, is, was going to stay uh, in the Republican uh, column. There was no blue wave here whatsoever. It was all make-believe, uh, and so too with Beto O'Rourke, although he came pretty darn close. Uh, so, uh, you know, there was something in that race that was pr- pretty peculiar. But no, there was no blue wave or even a threat of blue wave. So why did the pollsters get it wrong? Because the pollsters need to go back to ground zero and they need to go back to the first grade. They need to understand human nature because guess what? People lied. I have had a family member, not in my immediate family, say, I am one of those who in good conscience lied to the pollster. Lied. Now, in my family tradition, lying is a bad thing. It's a sin. You don't do that. But this family member said, I'm just not going to deal with these people because they're corrupt. <laughs> so the pollsters have a huge issue. Yes. Veracity. Uh, Ken Starr, great education. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we we're looking at a series of lawsuits, so I think we're going to bother you again. Please pick up your phone. We need you. Ken Starr, thank you so much. <laughs> Always a privilege. God right. bless America. Uh, Take- Go get him, Ken. Uh, listen, uh, you're next. one 866 Then we go to Governor Mike Huckabee. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him. You love him. You want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. A talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. It is Trump who is relying on the late counted ballots. And we have been seeing, we saw this overnight in Maricopa County around Phoenix. They began to release their final batch of votes, final pile of votes. There are hundreds of thousands of them. They began to release them overnight. And Donald Trump was getting about 59% of them. And that's right around the threshold of what he needs. If he gets about 59% of the remaining votes in Arizona... That might be just enough for him to catch Joe Biden there. So, again, it's Trump relying on the late counting ballots. There may, may not be enough. There is suspense in Arizona as well. Unbelievable. And that was last night. Last night they were counting ballots, and the president is making gains, as he said, in Arizona. I'm going to give you some stats now that just came across. So in Georgia, the president's got an 18,000 uh, vote lead. There's a lot more ballots to count, though. Uh, in Nevada, he's got a 7,647 vote deficit. And we're closing in on an announcement there, but the president's certainly going to ask for a recount. And then in Pennsylvania, a 125,000 vote lead in Pennsylvania. But you have about 500,000 ballots still to count. So that contrains dramatically. 
And in North Carolina, he's got a 76,701 vote lead. So the president needs all four of those. He's going to get Alaska. They think as soon as Alaska's ready to declare, they're going to get three electoral votes. Everyone counts. Currently, Fox News and AP has given Arizona to the president. So he's at 264. Uh, real quick, let's get Andrew in from WPTF in beautiful Raleigh, North Carolina. Hey, Andrew. Hey, Brian. Thanks for taking my call. What people haven't thought through, especially the D.C. Uh, inside the Beltline crew, is that President Trump, if he loses, will actually have wield more power outside of office. He will be the first president to do this outside of office than when he was inside of office. He has 48.3 percent of the population that are rabidly behind him. Biden and, and Harris have maybe 20 percent milk toast support behind them. And he knows where all the bodies are buried in D.C. He knows what's been going on. He is going to be a force. So they haven't really thought, be careful what you wish for, Washington, D.C. insiders, because you might get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he is leading He is leading a force, and, and everyone's saying that today. But I don't think it's over yet, and I don't think you think it's over yet. And the president fights to the end. That's how he profiles. I love when people are saying, why doesn't he just give in? Really? Have you met him? Have you had a chance to listen to him? That's not the way he operates. We come back. Mike Huckabee knows him well. He'll be with us shortly. And then your calls. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. It's Brian Kilmeade. Win, lose, or draw. Donald Trump should be known for this. Take a look at the numbers, Sean. Black votes. This is John McCain's vote. Four percentage of the black vote went to John McCain. Six percent to Mitt Romney. Eight percent to Donald Trump when he ran for the first time. Twelve percent last night. He has tripled John McCain's number and doubled Mitt Romney's. Let's go to Hispanics. The Hispanic vote. Thirty-one percent for McCain. Twenty-seven percent for Romney. Twenty-eight percent for Donald Trump the first time he ran. 32% last night, Hispanic vote for Donald Trump. This is how you make inroads. Donald Trump has expanded the party in numerous ways. And for all these people to say racist, racist, they're wrong, wrong. Uh, There you go. Uh, That is obviously Ari Fleischer uh, talking about uh, what's going on with the president and his legacy. Should it end as a politician over the next couple of weeks. And, of course, he's going to play out the string throughout uh, the rest of November, the rest of December, and the first three weeks in January. If, of course, he can find a way to win these four states, he just tweeted. uh, He's tweeting a lot now. He's not speaking, but he is tweeting. Uh, He said this, all the recent Biden claims states will be legally challenged by us for voter fraud and state election fraud. Plenty of proof. Just check out the media. We will win America first. He also talked about a big legal win in Pennsylvania. That was they gave them the right to view and observe the election process. I understand if the reports are correct, the of the Republican observers have been prevented from entering in Detroit. That's an issue. He also tweeted out uh, stop the count, which make, doesn't make any sense because he wants to continue the count in some states and not in others. For example, you don't want to stop the count in Arizona, right? Governor Huck- Mike Huckabee joins us now, Fox News contributor, former Arkansas governor. Uh, governor, welcome back. So what do you think about the president's tweets? He's going to challenge every Biden state? 
Well, I think he has to challenge some where there's uh, clear voting irregularities that have been mentioned. I mean, even 538 pointed out that in one box, uh, there was like 100,000 votes showed up and not one of them for Donald Trump. I mean, come on, that just does not happen. It, it's, it's absurd. We've got to be able to know that the votes that were cast are legitimate, legal, verified votes. Uh, I hear the Democrats say, count every vote. I agree, count every vote that is legal, valid, and verified. But if you count votes that are illegally cast, count votes that are fraudulent, then that takes my vote away from me, and that's not right. So the president has not just the right to demand uh, some accountability on these elections. Frankly, he's got a responsibility uh, to the overwhelming number of people who voted for him. You know, this is a record election. 160 million people voted, and about 80 million of them voted for him. He has a responsibility to those uh, 80 million people to make sure that their vote was counted properly and it was not negated by an illegitimate vote. Uh, Governor, you know, the the focus is on Pennsylvania, the focus is on Georgia, the focus is on uh, Arizona, and the focus is on uh, on Nevada. And here's what uh, Adam Laxalt said last night on with Tucker Carlson last night. So he's running the Nevada GOP, what he knows. Democrats have absolutely stacked the decks against us in this election. Uh, they changed this election inside 90 days. And as votes are being counted, and America thinks that with all these mail-in ballots, that you have people watching that counting going on, we are still not allowed to watch the signature matching. We are not allowed to challenge any of those signatures. So they switch us to this new system, and then they give us no right to ensure that only legal voters count. And so, uh, as America knows, those that stayed up like me all night, they dumped these at 3 a.m. They counted through the middle of the night. They're counting all day today, um, and, and we're still having to wait till tomorrow. And we are still, right this second, not in that door. And that, by the way, was yesterday, so it's today. And now Adam Laxalt, ironically enough, the former Nevada attorney general who's helping out the Trump campaign in Nevada, has given a press conference saying, uh, went on to say this, no question Trump would have won Nevada convincingly without mail-in voting. And then the president retweeted it. So, Governor, the president's getting frustrated. Yeah, I think he's frustrated. And and frankly, I would be, too, if I were him. Uh, Keep in mind that he has faced more than four years of a unprecedented headwind. The media has been against him by over 90 percent. They've reported and amplified every negative thing they could find, even if it was an outright falsehood. And they have ignored everything that he has done significantly right and every accomplishment that he has had. The miracle, Brian, is that he didn't lose by the 20 points the pollsters said he would lose by. That's a miracle. Because if you just looked at the surface and listened to network news and and followed the New York Times and the Washington Post and most every paper in the country, you'd say this has been the worst four years of a presidency we've ever had. If you looked at what he actually did, you said this man has done more in four years than most people, including Joe Biden, has done in 47 years. It's truly a, a great record that he has. But they focused on what he tweeted, what he said, some confrontation he had. Uh, I don't blame him for being angry. I think he's earned the right to be angry. But I'll be honest, I'm angry, too. I'm angry that our country uh, has been torn apart in large measure by an unfair, biased media 
that knew that what they were doing lacked integrity, but they did it anyway. So here is what Joe Biden said yesterday when he almost declared victory. By the way, Rick Grinnell is now addressing the Nevada press. Cut 26. I know this won't be easy. I'm not naive. Neither of us are. I know how deep and hard the opposing views are in our country on so many things. But I also know this as well. To make progress, we have to stop treating our opponents as enemies. We are not enemies. What brings us together as Americans is so much stronger than anything that can tear us apart. So let me be clear. I, we are campaigning as Democrats, but I will govern as an American president. I'd like to believe him, but you know the first person to talk like that was President Obama, and I never remember a time in which we were more polarized. What do you think? Do you do you buy into him because he does have 30 years of, of some of the guy that people used to think could reach, reach across the aisle? What do you think, Governor? Well, in one of his rallies where he's standing up on the little one-foot riser and screaming at a dozen cars in a parking lot, uh, I remember he talked about there aren't red states and blue states. There are only American, United States. And then somebody honked and said something, and he screamed out and said, including those chumps out there. And I'm thinking, okay, you just negated what you said. You know, you can't have it both ways. You can't say red states, blue states, I'll govern just as effectively for those who don't support me as those who do. I mean, he could have had a great moment there and said, and even those guys out there that don't like me and aren't voting for me and are heckling me, I'm going to work as hard for them. But that's not what he did. He called them chumps. So here we go. We're the people hanging on to religion and guns. We're the deplorables. We're the, uh, you know, the uh, the chumps. Uh, you know, you just you can't make this stuff up. So I, I don't I don't buy it. I mean, I wish I could. And I wish I could say, yeah, Joe Biden's really going to treat people like me fairly. But mm-hmm. I remember how the IRS went after nonprofit organizations and churches and conservative groups and pro-Israel groups. And they did it relentlessly. And I remember how that they told the Little Sisters of the Poor they were going to have to provide abortion medication and abortion coverage for 65-year-old nuns. I think nothing they did was any dumber than that. That was more blatantly ridiculous than to tell Catholic nuns who were mostly in their 60s, 70s, and 80s that they needed to be covered in case they needed an abortion, for heaven's sakes. But yet they had to go to the Supreme Court to get relief because the Obama administration pushed that. Yet the the president wrestles with uh, the Catholic vote, which is stunning to me. Yeah. But uh, it's very disturbing. But what I hope people will understand is that if the president doesn't fight this, um, then he's derelict in his duty. He's got to be able to make sure that the election results are valid. Now, if it turns out that they are valid and Joe Biden has fairly legitimately and justly won, Then it's all of our responsibility to suck it up and say, "Okay, we should have worked harder and done better. We didn't. We lost. He's our president. And I'm not going to go out in the street and cry and scream and howl at the moon like some of these lunatics have for four years. I'm not going to threaten to leave the country. I'm not going to, uh, you know, threaten to blow up the White House or do anything stupid because, you know, I still love America. Absolutely. But one thing is clear. There was a Republican resurgence, and it, it won state houses. It, it, it picked up seats in the House, and it may might just have saved the Senate in a time which, you know, it all goes in cycles. They were supposed to lose it. Of all people, yeah. listen to Rachel Maddow last night, Cut 24. 
But it has been remarkable to see the stability, not only between the, between the 2016 and 2020 presidential map, but also yeah. in congressional races and Senate races, up and down. I mean, you're just not, I mean, on either side, you're not seeing, not only is there no wave, it's like a, it's like a pond where you drop <laughs> in a rock and there's no ripples. It kind of explains why when you watch the other channels, and I'll flip around, they're not really celebrating like you would think with Donald Trump possibly losing because they don't really know what hit them. Because they've been telling everyone Republicans are unacceptable, the party of old white people, and that they hate Hispanics, and the president's a racist, and if you keep silent, you're a racist. And nobody bought it. It's like to find out your kids aren't listening to you ever. They're doing the opposite, opposite. But they stared at you when you were talking, and it looked like they were listening. Well, wait, what happens if Joe Biden goes in and gets rid of the Trump tax cuts and everybody loses $2,500 per household on income? And then he starts telling people in, uh, who have kids in private schools that your schools really aren't going to be able uh, to function without uh, accepting eight-year-old transgender kids uh, and giving kids a chance to make that decision when they're eight years old. And we're going to now fund abortions with your tax money right up to the moment of birth. Watch what happens in the mid-year elections and in 2024 if, uh, if these guys do what we expect them to do. But the good news is keeping the Senate means there's a firewall. Thank God for Mitch McConnell. People can say what they want to about him. He's old school, but he knows how to get the job done. And the fact that the Republicans are likely to hang on to the Senate and have a firewall against the more radical socialist ideas of the Democrats is really significant. Governor, always great to talk to you. Good job, Arkansas, delivered for the president. That's all you can do. <laughs> a big way. You got Take it. care, Brian. Go get him. one 408 So uh, the president just uh, the president's uh, representatives uh, from Rick Grinnell to Chris Perdome to Matt Slap just had a press conference. It is a race in Nevada that the president has to win. He is trailing by. Yeah, under 8,000, 7,800 votes. Can he make it up? Is this is all about the right-in vote? And will they be able to observe this action? We'll find out and talk about it when we come back. Newsmakers and newsbreakers. Hear it first, only on The Brian Kilmeade Show. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. Bernie Sanders seems like the type of guy who'd return a single piece of fruit to Walmart and hold up the line for an hour. Well, not quite, but I do hope that the workers in Walmart can eventually earn a living wage with decent benefits. Elizabeth Warren is what happens when Jan Brady grows up. If Templeton the Rat from Charlotte's Web had a successful rat cousin, he hated for being an unctuous slime ball, it would be Ted Cruz. All right, uh, is Jimmy Kimmel, I guess? Mean tweets? Okay. All right, so that was uh, Jimmy Kimmel last night. Yeah, there are still late-night shows out there. So we just watched the Nevada press conference. I don't know if there's anything there. Was it just, uh, for the most part, uh, Eric and Pete, was it just ranting pretty much? Yeah, there was no stats, but they're going to challenge it. It is so close, 7,647. They lose Nevada, uh, they lose. So that's not a reason to challenge. It's a reason just to make sure every vote's counted and make sure the procedures are correct. They changed everything in the last five months. So when you have... The former attorney general come out and said if they didn't have mail-in voting, and I know he's, an, he's a GOP, he's a Republican, uh, the, no doubt about it, the president would have won. That's, that's significant. Also, the president's lead in Georgia has dropped from 18,000 uh, to, uh, to 15,000. 
and we have a lot of votes to count there. Uh, I think 60,000. Uh, 60,000 more to count there. Is that correct? So it's going to go down to the wire. And I think the, most of the county they're counting on was, I think, two-thirds went with Joe Biden. So it is going to be close uh, in Georgia. The president needs Georgia. He needs Pennsylvania. He needs uh, for Arizona to continue to count his direction. Then he needs Nevada. So uh, we'll see if he can get it along with North Carolina, which people are much more confident about. A couple more things I just want you to hear before we wrap up. I want you to hear Arnon Mishkin's rep. uh, He is the Fox News decision desk. People are writing me nonstop about Arizona. Why would Fox call Arizona? A couple of things. I don't do the decision desk. Uh, I am not in on the coverage. You know who the coverage is in on. And the decision desk is totally separate from the broadcast. They are looking at the math. They're tapped in with the AP. They have their consortium. They have their partners. And they come up. And, they, and when, when the anchors see the race boards, that's the first time they're seeing it. And it's a live, updated event. It's almost like the stock market. No one's actually working the stock market. Uh, they, they are actually feeding. The stock market is giving you the results of everybody's trading. So here is Arnon Mishkin's explanation. Let's listen. Cut there one. appears to be somewhere about 550,000 votes outstanding. Nobody knows the exact number. We think it's a little less than 550,000. Maybe it's a little more than 550,000. The president needs to make up a deficit of roughly 100,000 votes. It, primarily, it will come from Maricopa County. Maricopa County is a, is a county where Biden is doing well. Um, the president needs to get basically 60 percent of that outstanding vote in order to overtake or tie Joe Biden, we don't believe he's going to get more than 45, 46 percent of that vote. Huh. It's just a huge leap. I, I wouldn't call it. I mean, I would just say to myself, I'm probably going to hold out on this. I don't need to do the calculus. What's the rush? After all, you have all these other states that got to certify anyway. Steve, listen to the Fox News radio app in Cincinnati, Ohio. Steve. Hi. Um, I think that it's First of all, thank you for having me. But I think it's the epitome of hypocrisy that the Democrats are now talking about um, copacetic and harmonious conversations and unity when for the past I know. four years, I know. all they've been doing, it's just so hypocritical. So you're not buying I mean, it. And, yeah. And, and it only takes, you know, it's trivial to do your due diligence to look into the mis- misstatements and the lies that the Democrats have been saying about the Trump administration, about Donald Trump, about people that support Donald Trump during his presidency, during the campaign. And now, I, I, I mean, it's incredible. It seems like there's like a kind of a lack of critical thinking that's going on. And to even assert that, OK, well, now let's try and have a conversation seems to me to be almost like an insult. In a way. But at some point, at some time, we're going to have to start doing deals again. Don't you agree? Whether it's Social Security reform, whether it's immigration reform, in a country built on uh, built on party. It's a party system. So we are now, we have almost eliminated the first hurdle on immigration reform, and that is border security. The president did it on pure will. And if we could establish border security, we might be able to talk about the easy stuff. And at some point, you just think we're not there yet. I think it's funny, the story that Gap put up, a shirt, a sweatshirt, a zip-up sweatshirt, and it was half red, half blue, and it said essentially underneath, time to come together. They got It blew up in such a negative way, they had to take it down. Do you know they haven't even made the sweatshirt yet? It wasn't for sale. They just wanted to send a message of unity, and they got so beat up on both sides, the room was, let's just pull it down. Let's just say we're not ready yet. 
Uh, let's listen to – let's go to Mike on KSEV in Houston. Real quick, Mike, close out. Okay, well, I think the Michigan vote's premature. It should be rescinded. Uh, we don't know whether those results are valid. Nevada and Arizona have pending litigation. They should not be called by the media for, for Biden. Biden uh, – Needs both Nevada, Arizona. Uh, Mike, you are so ahead of the Trump team. They're suing in all those places. Want to recount in Michigan. Brian Kilmeade Show. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. In these ever-changing times, you can rely on Fox News for hourly updates for the very latest news and information on your time. Listen and download now at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.